Welcome to the Road to Zero podcast. I'm your host, Nick LeBlanc, founder of Network Potential Consulting. We're here to explore the fast-emerging zero-impact economy, which is transforming the way we do business, bringing prosperity, and regenerating the natural world in the process. And I invite you to look at how you can position your business at the forefront of this global movement. Today on the Road to Zero, we're talking to Vic Shawa, founder and CEO at Ampli. And he's joining us from somewhere overseas as he's traveling for business. So welcome, Vic, and thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Nick. And from a career of management in the cloud, cloud computing industry, what got you interested in the, in the industry of electrification? Well, with electrification, it is we have a scenario where unless the infrastructure is ready to go, it's not going to scale. And um, it is in a very similar state to the early stages of solar adoption. It's in a very similar stage to the early stages of any of energy storage adoption, um, except with solar, with energy storage, you know, as as wonderful as those technologies are, uh, it is you know a, a nice option for the average customer. Uh, if if it works, wonderful. If it doesn't, well, you know, there's still the grid and business will continue. Uh, with electrification, however, it, especially with the vehicle, with the types of customers that we have, which are mission critical operations, buses, trucks, um, school buses. I mean, these are mission critical assets that if there is downtime because the infrastructure is not ready, well, it's a huge problem for our customers. And uh, and so that's so. In other words, in the space that Ampli operates in, uh, it's not an option for these equipment to be out of service and to have energy to be an unknown cost and to be, you know, highly volatile. Uh, you know, the, the, our customers are used to on gasoline, or on diesel, you know, up or down 20% in a year, right? With the electricity pricing, it's more like 400% in a single day. Um, and so getting a certainty on pricing, getting certainty on availability are absolutely essential for this to adopt. Okay. And, and just to get a better sense of Ampli, who your customer base, so, so I'm hearing you're really in the, the vehicle electrification market. And who are some of your customers? Give us an idea of like the, the services you offer. Sure. Uh, it, it, we, it runs the gamut. Um, we have uh, transit bus operators that, uh, being customers of ours, so public sectors, uh, port authorities, uh, school districts and school bus operators, um, uh, passenger fleets, you know, corporates that run uh, you know, corporate shuttles for their employees. It really runs the gamut. Uh, so what we don't do is public charging. Uh, but everything outside of public charging, we serve, you know, the the private sector and we serve public sector customers. Okay, so so you provide the charging stations. I just get an idea of your your, and I've heard you've you've even have like the uh, you know charging as a service model, I believe. So give us an idea of what that encompasses. Like, uh, what's your interaction with the customer? What do you provide, and how how does it work? So the analogy is with solar and with energy storage. Um, if you if you go back in time uh, to to the to, to the point in time where those technologies scaled, 
uh, it was and there was an inflection point upon which a developer comes in and puts together the entire project and charges the end customer just for output, you know, kilowatt hours generated in a case of solar. But otherwise, as long as it's getting generated, then the customer pay by pay by the kilowatt hours produced. Um, but otherwise, you have a development function that puts together all of the complex parts of the project, what solar panels to use, what inverters to use, interconnection with the utility, sizing, permitting, and then afterwards, you know, the operations and maintenance of a solar deployment. So similarly, that's what we refer to as uh, electrification or charging as a service is a very similar function where Ampli is putting together on our customer's behalf all of the uh, blocking and tackling that's involved in rolling out electrification, you know, equipment selection, deployment, construction, uh, uh, permitting, siting, utility service upgrades. And thereon after, we bill our customers by the kilowatt hours actually, pre- actually going into the vehicle battery. Uh, in other words, Another way of saying it, perhaps, Nick, is that if uh, if the energy is not flowing into the battery and some the charger is down or something is out of service, well, then Ampli doesn't get paid, right? So it is it puts the burden of performance onto the part of Ampli and you know and, and onto the part of the developer to make sure that uh, the project is delivered first of all at the onset. But there on after during the op- during the operating phase to make sure that it's mission critical, it's available, it's working, and uh, and our customers can count on it. So that's charging as a service in a nutshell. Yeah, just uh, for for myself, I'm actually a part of a, a, f- a fleet as well. I have a membership to a car share, and they actually have a couple of uh, electric cars in our neighborhood, and it's great because you plug it in at, when you're done using it, and you swipe your card, and it just charges. So imagine that's what you mean is a service. The customer just plugs it in, swipes it, they pay for what they use, and, and you take care of everything in between, make sure it's running. Precisely. And, um, you know, it, it makes sense, right? If you um, if you are a fleet operator um, and you have any number of vehicles in your fleet, um, and let's, let's say currently today it's, it's a gasoline fleet, well... All you have to do is pull up to the nearest gas station, and you're buying it, buying the fuel as a you know by the gallon. Uh, and for large enough fleets, uh, gasoline or diesel, they will oftentimes ask a third-party fueling service provider to come to their parking lot and to fuel up all of their fleet vehicles on certain days of the week. And you are also in that scenario buying buying the uh, gallons of diesel or gasoline. You're not undertaking a construction project. You're not installing storage tanks. Uh, You're not buying gasoline dispensers. You're not going through permitting and siting and all of that. Uh, But in the electric world, that's precisely what's going on today. For fleets that are contemplating a transition to electric, they are having to undergo a construction project and figuring out what chargers to procure, lead times on chargers, uh, utility interconnection, whatever the heck that is, and and how do you even go about it, and um, service upgrades, and what you know, what does the utility pay for? What does the end customer pay for? I mean, 
there is so much complexity that's involved in electrification that and and it's a huge barrier to adoption quite frankly so yeah. uh, so the employee business model and charging the service is to do all the hard stuff on our customers behalf yeah it gives an idea what is the challenges because i think one of the big ones you've already mentioned is the fact that compared to diesel prices they might change every couple of days or, or longer with electrical prices it, there's, it's really a time of day impact in some cases so what do you provide customers to to manage that and how does that piece work uh, so a couple of comments here uh first of all um, across the U.S., there are several thousand uh, utilities, uh, with or each with their own unique tariff structures and time of use schedules and demand charges. It's a highly complex operating environment. So just imagine that you are a uh, you know fleet sizable enough to have multiple locations, um, and even worse, you know across the country. And you're having to deal with, you know, a, a dozen utility tariffs or several hundred utility tariffs. Um, I mean, after a while, your head just explodes. I mean, it's it's just way too complex of an operating environment. I mean, time of use schedules. We have a situation in Southern California where you know, right across the street from one another. It is LEDWP versus Southern Cal Edison. And those tariff rates are different. The time of use hours are different. Um, you know, LEDWP has peak pricing from noon until 5 p.m., whereas Southern Cal Edison's electric uh, rates for, uh, for, for EVs, the peak rates are for 4 until 9 p.m. So just think about that for a moment. I mean, the most economical times of the day to charge the vehicles are different right across the street from another. And it's not like, you know, 10%, 20% difference. It is like 300% difference, the off-peak rates versus the on-peak rates. So, and you know, it is, it is highly, highly complex. And the only way to solve this problem is by software and by automation. And that's, you know, really is, is sitting at the center of Ampli's charging as a service solution is a full suite of software automation, uh, automation tools uh, that operates the charging auto, you know, automatically without our customers involve, involvement or having them to understand, you know, these tariff structures. So that's on the energy side. And we've covered, um, you know, we've covered that. We've covered the um, the actual deployment process of, of an electrification project. Um, the last piece that's really complex for our customers to handle is that, um, you know, by now we've worked with several hundred fleets all across the country. We have yet to come across a single instance where the fleet operator tells us, you know, we standardize on one vehicle OEM. That's all that we will ever use. Uh, it just doesn't happen. It's always a mixed fleet situation. And, you know, you would think for a transit agency, it's a lot simpler, right? All they do is buses. Uh, well, even for bus operators, as it turns out, they also operate a fleet of passenger uh, vehicles for driver uh, relief to shuttle drivers you know, to all the different uh, locations. 
So it's always a mixed vehicle uh, weight classes. It's a mixed vehicle OEM scenario um, and mixed charger OEM scenario. Uh, but yet the need at the end of the day is the same. They need to have a, a single operating uh, platform and operating system that they can use to manage the charging across their entire fleet. Uh, in order to get reliability and consistency. Um, and so that's that's really the bundle of software powered, software powered, software enabled uh, a solution that's at the center of what we do for our customers. Yeah, because people recognize that only, even owning a smart form, how many different charger types you need to have. And imagine bring that to a car, it must make that pretty complex. And so, so I guess you don't have a single charging type. And how do you, how do you solve that? Yeah, so um, so by now we've worked with all the major uh, charger OEMs across the country. Uh, so the different, the main OEMs and the various chargers and plug types we've had experience with. Uh, we also commit the the vendors to a certain level of service. Um, if a charger is out, what is their response time and what is their commitment on? having spares available in case of outages. I mean, we work all of that out in advance with our with our vendors so, so that we can deliver a certain level of, of, of service commitment to our uh, and fleet customers. For the charging space, it's not about asking, it's not about delivering hardware to the customer. Our customers want hardware that works, you know, that consistently, reliably at a known uh, at, at a known uh, cost of, of energy over time. Uh, that's the expectation. So that's what we aim to create and to deliver to our customers. Now, in the, in the space of handling this, this, this really varied rate of electricity rates, uh, does your network also have energy storage, kind of store the energy when it's cheap and then discharge it when it's more expensive? Or, or it sounds like you might even be getting energy from different providers depending on the time of day. So it sounds like there's a lot of a, this is, I guess, where the software optimization part must be quite important. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you could also think of the vehicle assets as big batteries on wheels, right? That's essentially what they are. And V to G or a vehicle to grid, rather, or at least at a minimum, vehicle to building will be more and more prevalent over over time uh, for resiliency purposes. Um and, uh, and as you pointed out in the future for energy arbitrage opportunities and whatnot, um, the really the, the key need that, uh, that our customers ask for when it comes to storage, at least right now, at this point in time, is just simply resiliency. So they, so when the grid is out, uh, they need, uh, they still need to have a portion of their fleet, uh, to continue to operate. For you know emergency services and whatnot, we we get this question a lot, especially in California, with PSPS events and uh, and wildfires and, uh, and wildfire events. Um, so that is a concern as it as it as it relates to electrification, and, uh, and so we get asked this question on storage uh, quite frequently, but it's for resiliency. Okay. And then to resolve that, do you, um, do you actually have, uh, like, I, I know the cars have storage, there's definitely a storage there, but do you, uh, do you usually in, inside your ecosystem, do you have these 
battery components or grid level storages to 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 enhance the grid when it's not working? Yeah, those use cases will come in uh, in in the years ahead. Um, the the utilities aren't ready yet to make that commitment. It's still a lot of experiments that's happening today. But uh, in order to scale up adoption on electrification, uh, the utilities, the wires companies, I mean, they can't possibly beef up the grid fast enough in order to accommodate on all of the power needs of transportation. So if we believe, you know, electrification needs to take place as quickly as possible because we want to reduce carbon emissions well then the 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 how of doing that i i think in the years ahead will require some form of vehicle to grid or at least vehicle to building powering buildings uh you know as a as a storage mechanism as a resiliency mechanism so, so you, you did a great job of really showing us some of the complexities and the, the problems in this space. And, and what, what's the area that you your company is committed to bringing the solution? I hear there's definitely the management of all that, but what are some of the, the key features of, of Ampli and your, your network that, that tackles some of these issues? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, with uh, what, oftentimes the, the, the thing during the operations phase that our customers need to really need to wrap their heads around is that it's not a five minute fuel up anymore, you know, to charge up the EVs. It's going to be several hours of dwell time, charging time. And for mission critical operations, uh, you really need to schedule the charging event into the daily workflows of these vehicles. Um, and so in order to do this consistently and re- reliably, it is actually it's it's a software integration effort. So it's integrating with uh, their dispatch systems, their uh, telematics systems. Um, it's uh, it's you know it's it's software integration, and um, and that's uh, you know all th- so so software integration, the um, the the tariff and the energy and then the interface with various. OEMs and charger OEMs. I mean, all three of these features are software, uh, you know, related, and so that's really at the at the center of uh, Ampli's charging with a service offer is this enterprise grade software that ensures consistency and reliability. Yeah. So what I what I hear is such a complex piece, right? All these vehicles, all these charging stations, these different providers, different rates, and being able to We'll pull that all together in one kind of management piece in software where you can see it, create some rules and actually optimize it. And even something as simple as making sure people plug in the vehicle at the end of the day so it gets charged. Imagine there's just there's a lot to manage to actually make that work. Yeah. And, um, and you know, as, as complex as this problem is, uh, related kinds of challenges have been solved in other industries, right? I mean, I can remember, I, I started my career in the Bay Area at Oracle Corporation in the, in the late 90s. And, um, and back in those days, uh, you know, large corporations will have, you know, electrical closets full of server blades that they run in-house with an IT staff, right? And, um, and 
at the, at the thinking at the time was, well, you know, it, this can't be all that hard, right? I mean, it's just computer servers and we'll just stick it into the closet. How difficult can it be? Uh, well, as it turns out, it's a lot more complex than one would think. It's like, you know, antivirus protection, operating system upgrades, uh, uh, battery backups, uh, cooling systems for these server blades. So what ended up happening was that, uh, you know, they, they go down every once in a while. You know, at Oracle, I distinctly remember, like, you know, the email server would go offline uh, on, on a Friday afternoon and, like, everybody goes home for the day or something. You know? um, and so what, what, what has happened uh, in these parallel industries? Well, over time, at least with cloud computing, it's now all outsourced to AWS or Microsoft Azure. I mean, even the U.S. government is now outsourcing to cloud computing services providers, right, where it's, you know, man, where the data centers are managing cloud computing professionally with redundancy, uptime guarantees, uh, and, uh, and, the, and the customer is just buying the output gigabytes of data storage, number of CPU cycles. Uh, you can draw the same parallel with solar and PPA contracts. And um, at my last company, uh, before Ampli, uh, you know, I, I founded and ran an energy storage company called Green Charge Networks, where, you know, we essentially did the same thing, uh, selling the output of energy storage uh, over a multi-year term contract. So lots of parallels in other industries. And our fundamental belief is that until you make this offering, you know, charging the service as a service offering, then all of a sudden you're going to get adoption and you're going to get ramp ups uh, because, you know, you just make this easy and reliable for your customers. That's a really good point because I know um, like I have a small nonprofit I'm involved in and it's so easy just to make an account in AWS and you've got all this stuff at your fingertips. So really hear the, the, what that offers for electrification when, oh, you, you, you have the service. Okay. Here are the stations and oh here's the one we'll install at your place and, swipe your card and you get it. So I hear that that definitely makes it easy and just as simple as pulling into a gas station, dumping it in and paying it off you go. So really bring that ease of model. What's the current state of the the, the market right now with, with respect to electrification? Are most companies trying to do it in-house or is there a lot of uh, providers like yourself that are offering it as a service or is this a, a relative need, new to the industry? Yeah, the challenge for Ampli is, is just market awareness is just to you know reach out and make and so that they are aware this offering exists um uh fleets are that are contemplating electrification for the most part are getting hit up on by the hardware vendors trying to sell them chargers uh, and and hardware um and uh, they they you know i think in the months and years ahead uh, more companies like ampli will crop up and make, you know, charging the service offerings. So this is definitely a, a growth uh, industry. Uh, but currently today, um, the, the state of the industry is that it's early. Um, it is, in, it is uh, very immature, uh, but high potential and high room for growth. And, uh, and unless uh, the industry gets efficient, um, 
you know, the, the, our customers are going to find it extremely challenging to doing all of this on their own and to scale uh, on their own. It's, it's, it's as simple as, you know, how, how do we make sure that all the buses are plugged in uh, every night so that the next morning they're, they're all fully charged? Uh, just, you know, just that, sim- just that one thing, believe it or not, causes more outages than you would believe. We had a situation at one of our customers where the plug, it's, it's an industrial-sized plug. It means it's 200 kilowatts of charging. And so on these heavy-duty plugs, there is a latching mechanism. you got to stick it in, and you got to pull a handle to fully engage and lock in the plug we were noticing you know we of course we run a network operation center we remotely sense what's going on with with all aspects of charging operation but we were noticing that these these vehicles weren't getting charged and we notified the customer right away uh, of course and over the period of, of we see, we see this consistently and the customer whenever we notify them they tell us well of course we are plugging it in i mean yeah we're, we're doing exactly as uh, as 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 what we need to do uh, to to but it's just not working for us and and we're doing the latching you know of, of course we are uh and sure enough we send we send one of our guys out we observe their operations and sure enough they're not latching even though they say they are so uh, you know it, it, there's human interface involved uh, in these situations and um, so uh, I, I guess that's that's the, really the one key difference perhaps between solar energy storage and now charging is that uh, there are human operators involved and in human errors and uh, and so that's the one aspect that we pay a lot of attention to uh, to ensure, uh, usability and to ensure uh, smooth operations, um, but it's 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 a lot of little things that will end up reducing availability on on electric vehicles, uh, and it's those little things that makes a fleet customer to go, man, you know, my buses aren't getting charged in the morning. I don't know what the issue is, but I don't think this technology is ready. I'm just going to go back to gasoline. You know what I mean? It doesn't take too many of these small things to go wrong uh, before the customer gets frustrated and, and have that kind of a reaction. So if the industry is to scale, if we want to have a zero carbon future, it's essential to solve all of the things that can go wrong, all the little details so that we can uh, ensure uptime and reliability. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's especially when you're dealing with something new. There's there's less of a tolerance for it not working, and that's a really good point you you made about the scaling up. Because right now we're we're in the in the in the right in the middle of this transition. How much growth or increase do you see in the electrification of fleets and vehicle in the next in the coming couple of years or the next decade? I actually think that if we do it right. It's gonna go a lot faster than anybody will will imagine. I mean, we are going to be at cost parity on passenger vehicles, electric versus gasoline, in two more years. Um, you know, in, in by twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four timeframe, 
uh, it, it, it's going to cost the average consumer less to buy an electric vehicle than a gasoline one. And, uh, you know, the fact that it is uh, on av- electricity on average is half the cost of gasoline. Um, across the country, and, and at Ampli, we every year we publish a white paper uh, looking at the actual utility tariffs in the top twenty-five cities across the country, and um, and it's fairly you know consistent year after year that on average electricity is cheaper. Uh, it's cheaper to maintain. Uh, there are fewer part moving parts. Fewer things can go wrong. They last longer. I mean, if you start to add in all of these attributes, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer that you ought to go electric. It's simply a better product, and it's uh, and it's less uh, expensive to operate. So, uh, so we believe that if the infrastructure is there, all of this will scale up very rapidly, exponentially across all of the different sectors the only sector that perhaps would take longer than the others would be like you know uh, uh, over the road long haul trucking where the uh, destination and the duration uh, on the road is not fixed uh, the routes are not fixed and, and it's a high utilization high powered scenario that's the only category that may take longer but otherwise, passenger fleets, school bus fleets, even you know, class A drayage operation where it is a fixed route, delivery vans for sure, all of these categories of fleets will make the transition in, in, in a few years and, and to make commitments and to do it at scale just because it's economic to do so. Yeah, so you really, so the market is massive. What What's next for, for Ampli? Where, where are you guys headed or what do you, what are you guys looking for? What do you guys need? Um, so, um, so we are building up case studies across all the, all these different markets. Um, we are validating, you know, the operating metrics, the fact that it does cost less. Um, and we are approaching the point where uh, certain ones of our customers are ready to make the 100% all-electric commitment because we have proven it out to the point where we can say confidently say to our customers in all of these different categories of fleets that, hey, you're not going to get fired from making this transition. I mean, it works. You know, here it is. Go talk to our customers in your uh, market segment, uh, they will tell you what exactly what their experiences have been with the not only the vehicles but with the charging, and uh, so we are right at that point. So answering your question, I mean, the, really within the next year, we're not gonna we're we're probably gonna stop doing pilots. <laughs> you know, all of our projects start to become you know a fully committed one hundred percent electric scenario um, so that's that's really the the future is uh, production scale customers uh, customers that uh, are moving beyond pilots and ready to make a serious commitment well thank you for really giving us the world of electrification and i see the massive opportunities and it sounds like you're well positioned to get ahead of uh, in this industry because i imagine more more, more people will be following any last comments you'd like to leave with us on the, the state of the future of electrification? We are hiring. So 
come check us out, amplipower.com. Go to our careers page, uh, and uh, it's it's exciting. Uh, we have fun every day, and uh, thanks for listening. All right. Well, thank you for being our guest and sharing this world with us. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Check us out at www.futureproof-network.com to hear our other episodes, links to our YouTube channel, and to join our Future Proof Business Network. See you again in our next episode.